Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. We've all heard the many stories of rock and roll stars over the years. Insane parties, trashing hotel rooms, countless sexual encounters, piles of cocaine that would make Tony Montana jealous, big game hunting, conservative political views. Wait, what? Those last two usually don't fit the mold of a rock star, but the subject of today's show, Ted Nugent, doesn't quite fit the template of the rock star most of us are familiar with. Nugent had multi-platinum albums flying off the shelves in the 70s with his patented guitar shreds and high-energy concerts, but over the years, the Nuge has separated himself from the crowd with some of his views and actions. Don't get me wrong, he was still into 70s rock star activities like fathering children with random fans and hooking up with underage girls, but the older version of Ted is probably more in line with your racist uncle who lives out in the country somewhere. I mean, your uncle probably doesn't get visits from the Secret Service when he talks shit about a president, but then again, he probably didn't write some of the most popular songs of his era. But has the image of Ted Nugent been skewed by the quote, Ted hating liberal media? Or has the rocker truly suffered from his own cat scratch fever for his outward trajectory of his true feelings and views? As we do on AHC, we'll put a stranglehold on what could be a very political show and get down to just the funny business on this rockin' ass episode of Asshole Court. All right, we want to give a shout out to Reddit fan I Review Frozen Dinners for the show suggestion. Great idea, Mr. Dinner. We want to hear from you as well. If you have a good show subject, we'll definitely give you a shout out. Yeah. And what do you think about the Hungry Man brand of line? You know what I'm saying? Like once they went XL, it's enough food. It's it feels like you know how people make fun of like uh Bic for coming up with like pink pins for women. The Hungry Man XL line feels like it's legitimately like just geared to some dude that's like, fuck yeah, I'm masculine as fuck. I gotta eat the biggest frozen dinner there is. There's no fucking way I'm dealing with any pussy ass frozen dinners. Give me that XL. <laughs> I don't need the regular. No. I need the XL. No, the kid cuisine can get the fuck out of here. And family size frozen dinners like how small of a family do you have? Because it's true, I can eat a whole one of those lasagnas, and, and, uh, like right? Lasagna. Or those Marie Calendar chicken pot pies. Like I could probably yeah. mow through a family sized version of that <laughs> by myself. Those are pretty. Good. As I burn the absolute piss yeah. out of my mouth, yeah. you gotta yeah. melt your, your fucking face to get yeah. one of those, man. That's why I was talking about. That's for the CIA. They don't need waterboarding. Is hot pocketing is what they need to do. <laughs> they just heat it up to about for six minutes, and they're like, bite into that shit. <laughs> eat, eat, yeah. Whole awesome. bite now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So again, thank you, Mr. Dinner, for your show idea. 
All right, boys, let's get some pre-show scores for Ted Nugent. Mikey, what you got, buddy? Okay, so I, you know, I'm gonna go and say it. Stranglehold is a fucking banger, dude. It is a it is a good track. But that's about it. That's about where I draw the line on my like of Ted Nugent's music. Uh, I don't care for Cat Scratch Fever all that much. He has a lot of really weird, disgusting lyrics that are just odd, especially. They're anachronistic. You could never get away with these nowadays, and rightfully so. Of course um, not. Jailbait and shit like that is just fucking cringe-inducing. It's awful. His political views, I think, I, I think you nailed it. He's, he's like your, uh, the, the drunk uncle. You're just like, oh my God, just shut the fuck up and play Stranglehold. That's, yeah. all, that's all I need you to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. If you like to hunt, that's fine. Cool, whatever. You know, if you're, if you're out there hunting respectfully and shit like that, that's, that's your thing or whatever. But he just comes across like a dick. And then obviously I'm aware of some of his stuff, like we talked about with underage girls. So I'm going to clock him in uh, 6.5 to start. All right. 6.5 for Mikey. All right. Buddy, what you got for Ted Nugent? All right. Um, I don't know too much about Ted Nugent. Um, I did listen to Damn Yankees back mm-hmm. in the day. Not a ton, but, uh, you know, High Enough was really good. And <laughs> Oh, that's right. He was in Damn Yankees, huh? Yeah. yeah sure Oddly was. enough, that song gets like lambasted by like metalheads. Oh really? Well, it, is, it is. It is totally pussying out and making a song. It like is that. a ballad, and yeah. a lot of like it's, true metalheads back then would be pissed off for like poison for like every rose has its thorn, thorn and yeah. that. But the ballads was for the chicks. Oh yeah, so they take their shirts off, and then the rest of the stuff was for the dudes. But I mean, high enough is that's a pretty good. It's okay track. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it starts off with the violins, and I could see you know some of the hardcore metal people being like, "No violins yeah. in our metal," you know, but. Yeah. I've seen him on TV a couple of times just yelling, and I just, you know, it, I'm like, okay, flip the channel. Uh, I don't really pay attention to what he's got to say. But, yeah, he does kind of look like that crazy redneck uncle um, that you might see anywhere up in the, you know, Georgia mountains and uh, just spouting off crazy stuff. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see what we're going to learn here today about old Teddy Boy. Um, for me, since I don't know too much about him, I'm going to give him a boilerplate 5.0. Actually, no, I'm going to chop it up just a little bit because i've heard you guys talk about him messing around with minors and stuff like that but i haven't you know really heard anything you know the whole story so uh we'll bump him up to a 5.5 off the rip i was talking about coal miners though in west virginia <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's gay actually they don't <laughs> and uh yeah we'll see where he goes from there all right good deal so i've never been a huge fan of nugent's music like you said stranglehold's good but Talking about bands of that era, I'd much rather listen to like a Led Zeppelin or Pink yes. Floyd, something like that. Anyway, I know it's the woke thing to do these days to kind of put your views out there. He does that, but it is pretty much the complete opposite ideology of what the other public figures are doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people, you know, encourage people to speak their mind and say when things are bothering them now, mm-hmm. but he's on the opposite spectrum yeah. of that. And it, you know, it's. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I, if you want to go ahead and step into that arena, then... And that's the thing, honestly, I kind of commend him for speaking his mind, yeah. you know what I mean? I may not agree with some of it, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, he stands by it. He's fucking adamant about what he believes in. Yeah, he's militant is the word I would that's, use. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, his pre-show score for me may seem a little low, but he may be one of those score swings um, by the end of the show that, that moves by a significant amount. So I'm going to start him off right with Buddy. I'm at a 5.5 for okay. Nuge. All right. With a 6.5 from Mikey, a 5.5 from Buddy, and a 5.5 from Randy, Ted Nugent's pre-show asshole score is a 5.8. 5.8. He is almost spot on with Elizabeth Holmes and Jose Canseco pre-show. 
just above Vince McMahon and Papa John Schnatter. So yeah. I could see Ted Nugent hanging out with Jose, Jose Canseco, Canseco yeah. and pounding a couple beers. Yeah. And then having some Papa John's. There you and go. There yeah. you go. Awesome. All right, boys. You ready to uh, rock this shit? Let's do it, bro. Let's rock and roll. Theodore Anthony Nugent was born December 13th, 1948 in Redford, Michigan, as the third of four children to Marion Dorothy, known to all close to her as Ma, and Warren Henry Nugent, who is a career army sergeant. Known as Pa. <laughs> Ma and Pa. Ma! As said, there were the only seven people that lived in that town. <laughs> Where is that? Northern Michigan, I think? Redford. It's, it's outside Detroit. Is it? Not okay. too far from it, yeah. From a very young age, the Nuge put on a show when it came to shredding the gnar. Ted's first exposure to music when he was six, and the aunt gave the family an old guitar. His dad said he took to it like a duck takes to water. He was like a child prodigy when he was an unknown prodigy that flourished. His involvement with the music was circumstance, a stroke of fate. When he was about eight years old, the Royal School of Music in Redford was soliciting students. His dad said they caught me in a weak moment, and I asked the kids if they wanted to take lessons. Jeff, Ted's older brother, said, I'm not interested, but Ted said he'd give it a try. What did Ken do? His other brother, he went on to become a great DUI lawyer. That's right. <laughs> Ken Nugent. Nugent, yeah. Nugent, yeah. He said, would you like to take DUI law lessons? <laughs> Sign me up, Dad. Yeah, that's a, probably a little localized. If you're out of the country, you don't know who Ken Nugent is. You may, though. He's you big. He's big yeah. So after six months of lessons, Ted had learned all that his instructor could teach him. And that was at eight years old. Wow. And how long? Six months. Wow. That sounds like his either instructor suck sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. You're a musical prodigy, but six months and then you're like, uh, I literally can't teach this dude anymore. Go In forth. Fact, yeah. He's like, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm about to be a manager for a rock band. Can I sign your son right now? <laughs> and uh, can he teach me he some stuff on the side? my fucking face with that solo. <laughs> By the time he was 12, he had started to play in a group called the Royal High Boys from 1960 to 1962. By 14, he had formed a rock band of his own named The Lords, L-O-U-R-D-S. Definitely sounds tell. like a name that a 14-year-old boy would come up with, right? <laughs> Lords, the, the Lords. edgelord, dude. <laughs> it's a lording over these hoes when I shred on my guitar. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's probably a play on the Royal Music Academy or whatever. Right. Outside of uh, the Detroit. <laughs> Around 1965, Papa Nugent was transferred to the Chicago area, and despite Ted's protests, he wouldn't leave his band in the rock scene of Detroit. They moved to Hoffman Estates, Illinois, for two years, and then to Palatine, Illinois. Dad, I can't leave the Lords! Yeah. No! So he refused to leave, but then did leave anyways? Yeah, okay. he was 14. Like, yeah. yeah, he was, yeah, yeah that's, so this the, the story of every kid that gets forced to move ever? <laughs> I don't yeah. yeah. No, it's totally different. He refused to move, but then he didn't have a choice because he couldn't pay the fucking mortgage. <laughs> While Ted attended St. Viator High School, he went to the Roselle School of Music for lessons. At the school, he saw a $700 plus guitar that he wanted, and he came home to ask us, said Mrs. Nugent. His father said, absolutely not. So Ted went to his music teacher and told him, I'm going to make it, and I'll be a big star, but I need a guitar. Will you give it to me and trust me that I can pay you? The guy did, and Ted wound up paying for it by giving lessons at the school. 
Yeah, I feel like he paid for it some other way. <laughs> I mean, that sounds horrible, but dude, seven hundred dollars. Like, let's do and inflation calculator. When? That's what I'm saying. Inflation yeah. calculator. That's like the price of like a fucking. That's I don't know what is that. Do we have what? It, what year is this roughly? It is yeah, about nineteen seventy two. No, nineteen sixty two. So yeah. probably times yeah. three, roughly. It's oh, a, I think it's more. Than maybe, that. but yeah, yeah around. I want to say. T- All right, hold on. I gotta look this up because that. He, yeah, sixty five was the year they 65, moved. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that is a $6,000 car today. Oh, my wow. gosh. Yes. A, a, Sorry. A guitar, not a car. I apologize. <laughs> a $6,037.69 guitar wow. that his teacher was just like, fuck it. I believe I mean, in you. But it was probably different because teachers back then were definitely millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is about, I don't know, like fifth of your salary to just play this guitar for me. I'm just a student. You got to trust in me, man. I trust in you. All right. Cool, cool. So what do I got to do to make this money back? There's I'll this black leather couch over here. <laughs> have a seat, young man. He said, uh, you're just going to have to stay after class and just earn it back. Ah, it's just kind of fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Ted's love for his music superseded everything else. He wanted to drop out of high school, but his father insisted he finish. The band he started while in Chicago was titled the Amboy Dukes, and they became a hit with the local crowd as they were a staple at The Cellar, which was a teen dance club in Arlington Heights. Funny enough, um, my aunt and my cousins used to live in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Buddy, you actually went with me. I sure did. On a trip up there when we were young. Yeah, yeah. we did. I hit a baseball over the fence in her yard and uh, was climbing the fence to get said baseball. <laughs> fell and landed in a giant compost pile uh, yeah it was like one of those like it was like a cartoon he comes popping up and almost has like the banana peel on his <laughs> yeah. head you know yeah like a turd on his neck uh, it was that same trip i fell in an arby's I, yeah i was about to say there's a lot of these stories of you chasing <laughs> yeah. baseballs into uh-huh. like like doomed scenarios it was the, it was the only baseball we had yeah yeah and, <laughs> and not only did i fall in the arby's dumpster the yeah. compost pile but then we busted a window at my yeah. grandparents house oh yeah we and did. then you guys played a uh, infamous game of catch near some uh, deep fryers <laughs> <laughs> so all right so his name is his new name of his band is the dukes amboy dukes amboy dukes, amboy so dukes. He's, he's continuing the line of uh, royal names here. exactly the band's name comes from a title of a novel by irving shulman in the uk the group's records were released under the name the american amboy dukes because of the existence of a british group with the same name oh. so band names are always kind of a fun topic of discussion how bands come up with them sometimes have a good backstory, but as we've seen, there are a ton of stupid-ass band names out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, question. Have you guys ever thought of what you would name your band? Oh. Yeah. I So, at one point, uh, I thought I was really going to start a band, uh-huh. but the problem was is that uh, the band would have consisted of six guitar players because everybody <laughs> just played guitar. <laughs> you know, nobody was willing to sit back and be like, I'll play the bass or the drums. You were either the singer or you were the guitar Lead player. Guitarist, right? So, yeah, six guitars... And we were going to be called Six Guitars, One Guy Singing. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, we looked it up, and I thought in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll just look it up in the dictionary. And we came up with uh, The Pink Elephants, which oh. is a, uh, a, 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 like... Dumbo a, reference? No, it's a reference. Yeah, it is. They call it that because it's a reference to people that have, like, delirium tremens from alcohol uh, addiction. Oh, okay. Or whatever. So I was like... <laughs> That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we never formed a band or did uh, wrote a single song, but we were the Pink Elephants. Oh, very nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't recall any names like maybe MK Ultra or something like that, you know, but yes, yes. MK Ultra, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's a y'all, uh, that's, oh, I'm uh, very familiar with that. We can, <laughs> that. That's for a conspiracy court episode. There we go. Oh, good tie mm-hmm. in there. So I know there's like some sort of formula you can use. It's like yeah. the color of the shirt you're wearing plus the last thing you ate. Mm-hmm. So or that's a there's a website or uh, website generators for that. that mm-hmm. That's how Childish Gambino got his name. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. So I, if it was the formula that I would use, it'd probably be the blue chickens. Cause I had yeah. some, I had chicken sandwich earlier. Well, that's what I had. Uh, I had a pink shirt on, and I ate an elephant for dinner last <laughs> night. So it all worked out. <laughs> nice. So the Amboy Dukes went on to record Journey to the Center of the Mind. It was released <laughs> oh in 1968. Yeah. I am 14 and this is deep. <laughs> they were a little older then. Uh, but it had reached number 16 on the Billboard charts in 1968 and number 19 in Canada. So he was right around 20 years old yeah. when this came out. Journey to the Center of the Mind featured lyrics written by the Dukes' second guitarist, a guy by the name of Steve Farmer. And it was from the album of the same title, whose cover features a diverse array of drug paraphernalia. Yeah, man. Right? (laughs) So Nugent is an ardent anti-drug campaigner and has always claimed that he had no idea that the song was about drug use. Journey to the center of the mind. Yeah, he didn't Uh journey to the center of college because he's (laughs) dumb as fuck, son. For real. That's like, for real. He was like, I want to drop out of high school. His dad's like, no, you have to at least finish out. He was like, well, I'm just not going to like exercise my mind on anything but this goddamn guitar. Seven thousand dollar guitar. <laughs> he actually did go to college. We'll talk about that. Oh in a second. shit! Okay. I retract my statement. Yeah. Well, not for long, but right. anyway. Uh, since the 1970s, Nugent has promoted anti-drug and anti-alcohol stances. He has been cited as a key influence in the straight edge movement, which is a punk rock associated lifestyle that developed in the early 1980s and discourages drug and alcohol use. Henry Rollins of the Rollins Band and Black Flag, Black Flag yeah. yep, reports that he and friend Ian McKay, who is the vocalist for Minor Threat and the writer of the song titled Straight Edge, they gave the movement its name, were inspired by Nugent during their high school years in the 70s when he was the only major rock star to publicly eschew drug use. Mm-hmm. Rollins said, we would read about the Nugent and the thing that really rubbed off on us was the fact that he didn't drink, smoke or do drugs. Nugent's performance was the craziest thing we'd ever seen on stage. And here's this guy saying, I don't get high. We just thought that was so impressive. So Rollins Band only has one song that I know. Yeah, but Black Flag was like super, super influential on the punk scene in the 80s. Like, I don't I don't know that you could get much bigger than Black Flag in, in, in Southern California. Like, as far as like all the uh the bands that came after them always referenced black flag and stuff like that okay. so all right. uh and Rollins band was, was really big back in the 90s and early 2000s like he was in a bunch of movies and stuff like that he yeah. was in a couple movies but the only song i know is i'm a liar yeah yeah right. that yeah, well cuz yeah. that was like henry rollins band was big because everybody's like oh that's henry rollins from black flag and he was the only one that you saw like where you're like oh instead of him like i said getting drunk and doing drugs like that he was like into bodybuilding yeah. So like yeah. you see these fucking crazy hardcore punk shows in like Los Angeles in the early eighties and these people are just beating the fucking shit out of each <laughs> other. And then you're like, Oh, I can see why that guy's geared up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nugent is a national spokesman for the drug abuse resistance education, the DARE program. Yay. Mm. And in 2015, however, Nugent declared his support for the legalization of marijuana for medical use. And in 2018, he admitted that he drinks a little bit of wine. So I was Whoa. definitely surprised to hear about his support for the the medical weed. But yeah, don't cut yourself on that edge, bro. That's yeah, fucking right? terrifying. What if they get high, man, and like fix things with their body, man? <laughs> <laughs>
Do you have a show subject you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas and some say full of other stuff, but we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. So as he graduated high school, he had a song on the Billboard charts, but he still decided to attend college and enroll in classes at Oakland Community College. Okay. Also, if you put the timeline together, the Vietnam War was raging and everyone of age was subject to the military draft. Well, as the story goes, the Nuge didn't want to enter the military. Mm -hmm. In 1977, Nugent told the magazine High Times that he shat his pants on the daily in order to fail his physical and dodge the draft during the Vietnam War. Yep. Oh, I read that that actual interview like straight from his mouth. Oh, yeah. And to hear him tell it, it was it was pretty ugly. He said, then two weeks before I stopped eating any food with nutritional value. I just had chips, Pepsi, beer, stuff I never touched buttered poop little jars of polish sausages and i drink the syrup oh i was this side of death then a week before i stopped going to the bathroom i did it in my pants poop piss the whole shot my pants got crusted up oh dude yeah. mm-hmm. gross thing out of all of that drinking the fucking vienna sausage water yeah. oh, God. Damn. I, it's God. like shitting yourself and sitting in it for two weeks is Pretty rough, but I'd put the Vienna sausage like just below that. <laughs> As a kid, I would eat Vienna oh, sausages, God. but I don't fucking get near them. Now. I, I love just... hot dogs. Like I'm a hot dog aficionado, but Vienna sausages that's that's like it's the Waffle House steak. <laughs> that's what it is. It's just it's just awful. It just it doesn't know, dude. It's not. Everyone's like, well, no, they're pretty good. Like if you're camping, I'll eat something else. I'll, you know what I'm saying? Trust me. That, yeah. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of them. What never. grosses me out even more is when you go to like a convenience store and you see the Hormel potted meat product. Yeah. You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I'll go to the mat for Spam. Spam's pretty fucking solid, but you just got to cook it right. But when you're starting to get into like Vienna sausages and like potted meat and stuff like that, there's something off about that. And the the, the Vienna sausage thing that you're always forgetting too is like, it always has that layer of gelatinous skin at the top yeah. of it too. Yeah. 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 Mm, rough. Yikes. So, Nugent's selective service classification records show he was initially qualified for and took student deferments. When he was no longer enrolled in community college, he received a draft rating of 1A until he failed his draft physical on August 28, 1969. After that physical, he was rated 1Y, a registrant qualified for service only in time of war or national emergency. So, like, last chance, last option guy. (laughs) Until that classification was abolished in 1971. He was subsequently reclassified 4F, indicating ineligibility for military service under established physical, mental, or moral standards. Mm-hmm. The 1Y and the 4F classifications were usually reserved for those with significant medical or mental issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've talked about this on the show. Like, I would dodge the draft, too. Like, especially if you had, it's tougher to say then, like, what you would do in that specific zeitgeist i you know if you're 19 years old you may think like no this is the country just needs this we're going there to fight communism or whatever man like it's easier to look back you know like retrospectively and be like that war was a disaster but i don't fault anybody that dodged the draft like i don't the problem with nugent is all of a sudden he became like super fucking war hawk and is like oh now all i do is hang out with fucking soldiers and shit like that and i'm like you dodge the draft because you recognize 
maybe because you recognize that this was a fucking farce. Or he wanted to stay home and play music. Yeah. yeah. Probably more the case. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I was like, but now you act like, oh, yeah, I'm like me and fucking homeboys with the Wounded Warrior Project. And all I do is like take these dudes out to go hunting and feed them fucking steaks, dude. I already left one band because of my dad telling me to leave. <laughs> I'm not leaving this new band. <laughs> all right. And do you remember what his dad was? A fucking army sergeant. Yeah, it's so kind of weird. A weird little dynamic. It's, it's the definition of hypocrisy in my mind. I'm they like, they said his dad never really showed any uh, ill will effect. towards his son. Yeah, for I wouldn't doing what be he did. too. Like I said, I wouldn't be that upset either. But if later on in life, if my son like dodged a draft and then later on was just like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Fucking wartime, bro! You know what I love? Wartime soldiers. They're my <laughs> homies." I'd be like, "You're the guy that pooped his pants to get out of fighting in wartime, dude. Quit acting like a badass. You shoot animals that can't shoot back at you. You fucking pussy." <laughs> On the Joe Rogan experience, Nugent further claimed he told this excrement story to the High Times just to have fun with its dirtbag and hippie writers in 1977 because he was the hardcore anti-drug. However, in 1990, he again detailed experiences, living inside pants caked with his own excrement for a week to avoid the draft. Yeah. Very Pee Wee Herman-esque. I meant to do that. In an extensive 1990 interview with the Detroit Free Press, after the formation of Damn Yankees, he further stated on the Joe Rogan on Joe Rogan that in 1969 he passes draft physical with flying colors. So which one is it, right? Like either flying shit colors. (laughs) Yeah. What color? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all there in documentation. They said he was fucking crazy. Yeah. That's why I ended up with the 4F or whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you, that's the whole point. Yes, you, you would have passed but if you, you were normal. You were 1A. That yeah. means that you're ready to go right now, asshole. But instead, you were like, oh, I'm going to eat fucking chips and do to myself and just drink Vienna sausage juice. <laughs> and then now it's like, well, I mean, I fucking passed that shit, bro. But then I decided to shit my pants. So <laughs> it, this is one of the things that just irks me to no end, dude. Like, And, and then to make this whole... Like, persona over the last 15 years about how tight he is with soldiers, dude. Like, fuck off. So after settling down on a ranch in Michigan in 1973, Nugent signed a record deal with Frank Zappa's Discreet Records label and recorded Call of the Wild. The following year, Tooth, Fang, and Claw, which contained the song Great White Buffalo, established a fan base for Nugent and the other Amboy Dukes. Personnel changes nearly wrecked the band, which became known as Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes. Nugent dropped the Amboy Dukes band name for good in 1975 and signed to Epic Records with guitarist Derek St. Holmes, Rob Grange, and Clifford Davies being the primary additional band members for his 1970s multi-platinum albums Ted Nugent in 1975, Free For All in 1976, and Catch Scratch Fever in 1977. So we had three multi-platinum albums in three years, yeah. back to back to back. Damn. I just want to go back to, what's the name of the band again? Am, Amway? The Amboy Dukes. I don't want to say Amway Dukes. <laughs> whatever. Amtrak Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like sitting there, like show up for practice. All right, you guys ready to fucking, like, let's lay some tracks down and see what's up. And then Nugent rolls in there. He's like, so, uh, I don't know. Uh, talk about something here real quick. Um, change the name a little bit. How about Ted Nugent and the, Amway dudes or whatever it is. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm. uh, I don't know about that, Ted. <laughs> I mean, I'm playing the guitar. It's obviously <laughs> the most important part. You, you'll find a guy 30 years from now who wants to just start a band with six guitars. <laughs> <laughs> so these albums produced the radio popular anthems Hey Baby, Stranglehold, Dog Eat Dog, and Cat Scratch Fever. Despite most of the songwriting credits being listed as solely Nugent, guitarist St. Holmes claims that they were co-written by the whole band 
and that Nugent stole credit as a way not to pay them royalties. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. I've met and hung out with Derek St. Holmes. Holy shit. Really? really? Yes, absolutely. So we had a family in our neighborhood growing up that had a couple of sons around my age that I would hang out with occasionally. Uh, I'm not trying to be mean, but this family, they were all super intelligent. I mean, Oh, this is the one that you talked about this before. Yeah. You said they're a whole family of dorks. Yes. With the radios, the CB they're, radios. Yeah, absolutely. Quote, unquote, they're a whole so, family of dorks. They are. And their oldest son was a valedictorian of his class at Georgia Tech. Um, but yes, they were they were fucking dorks, and yes, they invited me to go to a ham radio convention uh, in Ohio <laughs> that I politely declined. Okay, but they listened. They love Ted Nugent, though. Check this out. They had a big Christmas party one year, and the sister of the mother of the kids that I hung out with was married to Derek St. Holmes, and they huh. lived in the town we grew up in. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Is it the same guy? Same dude. A hundred percent, huh? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I went to a Christmas party with John Holmes, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the actual John Holmes. I had and con- I only found out when I asked him to pull his dick out. And it was very average. I had a conference, very call. awkward. Yeah, yeah, I had a conference call with a guy named John Holmes a couple yeah. weeks ago. I mean, uh, it was course. awkward because we were by the punch bowl, and I was like, "All right, whip it out, man." And he was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "That huge dick, bro. Come on, bro." Yeah, and then everybody whipped it out, and everybody was just like, you know, nonplussed. They were disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, uh, Derek St. Holmes. The rock star had some of the dorkiest nephews, but either way, he came to this Christmas party, and you could tell from the moment he walked in, he was a rock star. Yeah, right. The so, leather pants gave no, it away. Everybody had on their Christmas sweaters and sipping eggnog, and this dude rolled in with like ripped jeans, cool T-shirt, long black hair, and just absolutely fit the mold. You got to remember, my parents are from Michigan. Yeah, and as oh, is Nugent. Yeah. So my mom and dad were like, "Holy fucking shit! It is Derek St. Holmes," because the mom told. My parents like, you know, we think Derek and his wife are coming or my sister and his husband, yeah. Derek, are coming. Was your dad like, get in the car to your mom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's a real rock star. He's like, get in the car. <laughs> so I remember my mom and dad sitting and talking with him for a while. And my dad was fucking loving it. So he was raised, like I said, in Michigan and definitely familiar with the new just music. And to have their guitar player there in front of him had to be awesome. So from everything I remember, dude was cool as fuck. And just kind of sat and hung out with everyone like a really normal dude. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. It's too bad he couldn't do that now and be like, so tell me how you got screwed out of your royalties. He wound up giving a t-shirt to my sister. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Derek St. Holmes t-shirt. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I remember her wearing it. It was pretty cool. He just came to a Christmas party with his own swag to yeah. give out. <laughs> he did. He absolutely Merry did. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Right? Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, motherfucker. <laughs> but I remember my parents telling me like, there could possibly be a rock star coming. I'm like, who? Yeah. What? I don't. If it's not fucking MC Hammer or somebody yeah. at the time, I'm like, I don't know who this is. But Randy, yeah. get your autograph book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> fucking Axl Rose shows up. <laughs> throws a punch at somebody. It'd be excellent. So a musician possibly skirting some band members out of some royalties won't quite do the trick to land them on asshole court. So let's dive into some of the issues that have kept Ted in the spotlight over the years and for probably all the wrong reasons. So when Nugent was 30 years old, around 1978, he started a relationship with a 17-year-old Hawaiian lady named Pele Masa. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there are many, many stories about rockers over the years allegedly hooking up with young, underage girls. Very, yeah. very many. Steven uh, Tyler of Aerosmith, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, David Bowie, yeah. Elvis Presley, who met Priscilla Presley mm-hmm. when she was 14. Ooh. And of course, the king of the underage relationships, 
Jerry Lee Lewis. Lewis married married his 13-year-old cousin Cousin. while he was still married to another woman. And when his bride packed up her belongings to move in with Lewis, she put them in the best container she could find. Her dollhouse. Yes. Oh, All of this is true. Like wow. he was just trying to check off the boxes. He was like underage, in my family. Yeah. <laughs> cousin. Oh, great oh. balls of fire. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And Bowie hurts the the most because he's obviously I think the most revered, especially with him passing here recently. Ground but, control. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like yeah. He was like a cultural icon. You know, like well respected both by fans and by critics. And then you hear the things, and it's pretty much confirmed. Yeah, like that one groupie that was like fourteen. That and Jimmy Page was the same one. These oh. are all alleged. You know, they They're never none of them got convicted, but the it's, stories all kind of match up. They match up. Isn't that what Almost Famous was about with yes. Penny Lane yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and her yeah. being underage and being traded around? Yeah, they were just. It was very much accepted and stuff like that. Now there's some documentation and stuff like that. Like even with Steven Tyler, like adopting a girl or like some stuff like that, where you're like, okay. Maybe you didn't do anything, but the the legal paperwork is here to show up the whole setup on what this was, which is the same thing with, with Ted Nugent. Yep. So, yes, while Nugent's relationship may not have been illegal, according to Hawaii's laws, the state law at the time prohibited sexual contact with a girl under 16 years old. Uh, Masa would have been considered underage in several other states. Furthermore, it would have been illegal for Nugent and Masa to marry in Hawaii. This, according to VH1's Behind the Music, spurred Nugent to convince Moss's parents to sign papers that would make him her legal guardian. Ooh. In 2018, oh. Nugent denied that he ever adopted Masa during an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said, The Ted-hating liberal press started quoting the High Times magazine and quoting an ex-girlfriend who claimed that I adopted her. I adopted my girlfriend? Have you read that one? What the fuck? Absolutely absurd. I didn't adopt anybody. While Nugent may have been, in his words, addicted to young girls, it's unclear if these relationships were illegal. As far as we can tell, Nugent's never been charged with having sex with an underage girl. It should be noted, however, that Nugent has been informally accused of such activity multiple times. In 2004, singer Courtney Love claimed in an interview on The Howard Stern Show that she had a sexual encounter with Nugent when she was 12. Yep. Love claims to have performed oral sex on Nugent while pressed and uncharacteristically somber Love elaborated, I didn't have breasts yet. It's sick. This would have been around the time of Nugent's 29th birthday. Nugent claims he definitely doesn't remember anything about this encounter. And she's the one that also famously called out uh, Harvey Weinstein yeah. back in the day before any of that Go stuff Go check out, out our Courtney Love show. That's right, yeah. yeah. I, and yeah. it's hard because you're like, she's a strange person, but... It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me as like a, just a fabrication. It would be such yeah. an odd fabrication to yeah. randomly be like, oh, oh, oh uh, Ted Nugent. You know the guy who hasn't been relevant musically in fucking years. Uh, yeah, I sucked his dick when I was twelve. So I don't know. And then also like the even with the Masa situation, like they uh, like hooked up when uh, apparently when she was like seventeen. But how long had they been hooking up before that? Like right. all the, the right. marriage stuff. So. Yeah. You know, that's you're just like, like when it all came to a yeah, light. exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, like, so, and it is all alleged. It's I could be totally wrong here. Ted Nugent, I kept want to say Ken Nugent. <laughs> Ted Nugent may have done nothing with underage girls, but when you see these sort of things, and then you hear like the lyrics to like Jailbait, I'm about to get into yeah, that right now. It's tough to sit there and be like, you know, no, nah, it's probably nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> all coincidence. Yeah. So when Nugent was 32, he released the song Jailbait. So here's a taste of the lyrics written by him. 
Well, I don't care if you're just 13. You look too good to be true. I just know that you're probably clean. Jailbait, you look fine. Fine, fine. It's quite all right. I asked your mama. Wait a minute, officer. Don't put those handcuffs on me. Put them on her, and I'll share her with you. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. not sure what fucking planet those lyrics are okay to have, but it definitely <laughs> right. lends to the rumors about some of the tendencies back in the day. Yeah, and it would have been, like, there's been multiple songs written about people being 17, and you're like, all right, that's uncomfortable, but technically, potentially legal, depending on what state you're in. He was like, <laughs> fuck it, rights. I'm going straight for 13. 13. Oh, Can you imagine? 13, like, my son is only, like, four years away from being 13. How the fuck could you ever sexualize Something oh. that I just, that is mind blowing to me, dude. Oh, and especially when you've had so much access to so much more, like yeah. all over the years. It's not like you're this wandering hillbilly that's never seen any right. girls, and it's like, oh, girl, no, you know, like, no. It's, it's, oh, yeah. And then, like, dude. Courtney Love said she was twelve. Yeah. Oh. So, do you know what the next track on the album after that was called? What is that? I'm a predator. <laughs> it's true. Swear to God. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So Nugent, for his part, described himself to VH1 as girl addicted. Yeah. Recently, his wife wrote on her website, we have discovered four more adult children Ted had from previous relationships. Can you imagine me, the record executives, you're like, look, look, look. It's, it's tough subject matter, but we're really going to kill on that rapist demographic. Like, <laughs> rushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Predator, bro, this is like their anthem. <laughs> so Nugent's been married twice and has six children with four women. In the late 1960s, prior to his first marriage, Nugent fathered a boy and a girl, both of whom he gave up for adoption in infancy. This did not become public knowledge until 2010. The siblings were adopted separately and had no contact with one another. The son learned of the identity of his birth father in 2010 through the daughter's quest to make contact with him and their birth parents. According to a news report over the years, Nugent has discussed the existence of these children with his other kids. Okay, so let's imagine that you find out right now that you were adopted. Who would be the worst real parent that you could find out? Like if they were like, "Hey, Jeffrey Epstein." <laughs> oh, it's oh, that'd be horrible. Harvey yeah. Weinstein. Yeah. yeah, I'd be like, well, "How much money's left in their accounts, though?" <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> So over the years, we've definitely Bill seen- Cosby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. ouch! Well, yeah. we wouldn't. We'd look. It'd be mind blowing. Yeah. I'd be like, wait a second, but I'm I'm definitely white. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like he had a lot of weird things going on in life. <laughs> Lots of pudding pops. To <laughs> Randy, your score is too low. That person was definitely a giant asshole, and you rated them like they were Justin Bieber. Wouldn't you like to tell us what you think? Well, now you can. Check us out on all our social media pages and tell us what you think about our scores, shows, and good looks. We'll love to hear what you have to think. Pucker up, buttercup. It's back to asshole court. So over the years, we've seen many in the entertainment industry, whether it be movies, music, or TV personalities, publicly display a fairly left-leaning political stance when it comes to policy and criticism of presidents. Not the nuge. Nugent is an extreme proponent of the Second Amendment and a constant figure at NRA events. He's even gone as far as to say, if Elvis Presley and Jimi Hendrix were raised with a bow and arrow in the great outdoors, they would still be alive today. I don't even. What? I don't. Right. I don't even know what to say. There's that. not even like a rational chain of thought there. <laughs> Oddly enough, he instructs any venues that he performs at not to allow firearms. Yeah. Right. Another hypocrisy thing. And also, I want to go back to Elvis because Elvis was from, super famous about loving guns. Yeah. He shot up his fucking television set 
multiple times. <laughs> and he still died taking a shit on the fucking toilet because sure his heart was exploded because he loved pain pills. Yes. Yeah. So, again. Yeah. What the fuck? So, Derek St. Holmes, who we talked about a little earlier in the show, was part of Nugent's band over the years, said in an interview that he once caught a couple rounds from Ted. He said, he shot me in the leg. <laughs> we were out yeah. shotgun hunting in the winter, and he shot me in the leg. And then in the 80s, we were shooting at a target, and it ricocheted back and hit me in the arm. I was like, holy shit, this guy's dangerous. But yeah, he's pretty wild. He sounds dumb. It's like, that's maybe... That's where his affinity for Republican politics came from because he had a deep connection with uh, Dick Cheney for shooting people with shotguns. <laughs> yeah, I was about yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah. but no, I mean, honestly, so I, but strangely enough, uh, I grew up because of a friend of mine at the time. I grew up around guns. Like we, I shot tons of guns. You name a gun, I have fucking shot it. Right? Like they took me deer hunting. I intentionally missed deers because I like shooting guns, but I don't like killing animals and stuff like that. But like there is a, a a level of respect that you have to have with firearms. Oh, and that's 100%. like, and that was always drilled in our heads. It was like, you respect the thing. Don't ever fucking aim it and stuff like that. We were kids. We would fuck off and do stupid shit. But it's obvious to me that he's like a full grown adult, super hardcore. I'm NRA guy and everything like that, which is say what you want about the NRA has become a political mouthpiece lately. But it used to be about like firearm safety and like hunting stuff like that. And he's like, shooting fucking friends in the legs and stuff like that and you're just like you're not yeah you're not serious about this lifestyle you just like looking like you have a metal cock yeah, which man. is what it is at the end of the day in college one time um we were at a party big party like a, a block party pretty much mm -hmm. and my buddy pulls me aside he's like hey man come out of my truck check out my new pistol i got yeah. i was like all right cool so we go out there and obviously i've been drinking very heavily so it probably wasn't the great idea to go check out a gun at that point but um takes it out of its holster and he hands it to me and I had it in my hand flat, mm -hmm. and the gun went off. It oh. clicked. It was not loaded, yep. but that gun went off. And had it been loaded or one in the chamber, it yeah. would have definitely fired around. I can't yeah. remember where the gun was pointed, but that gun went off in my hand without me touching the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely possible. Yeah, to yeah. mechanical again, failure is a thing. It's back to the fucking just the the respect you've got to have yeah. for yeah. something like that. And he's that. shooting his fucking Derek St. Holmes in the legs, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're just that's crazy, dude. It's fucking nuts. Again, another piece of hypocrisy for yep. Mr. Nugent. And to say he's a Republican would definitely be true, but to say he really hates Democrats would also be very true. Mm -hmm. Free speech is a right in the US, and it is what allows us to do shows like we do. And the Nuge has exercised this right multiple times, but it's led to some definite hot water situations over the years. Mm -hmm. In the interview with the Detroit Free Press in 1990, Nugent talked about his 40,000-acre ranch that he managed in South Africa. The ranch is used exclusively for bow hunting, Nugent's passion. He said, My being there isn't going to affect any political structure, he said. Besides, apartheid isn't that cut and dry. All men are not created equal. He described black South Africans as a different breed of man who still puts bones in their noses and they walk around naked and wipe their butts with their hands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and if you if you look at now like with like white supremacists and white ethno-nationalist people or whatever, they always look back to like Rhodesia and South Africa and apartheid and stuff like that, like the Rhodesian wars in the 70s and 80s. And this just tells me that this guy was like, you know, he's in that camp. Obviously, and it, he didn't even have to say the whole bones to their nose shit. Like if you're intentionally picking spots and being like, I'm going to Rhodesia or South Africa and all this stuff like that during apartheid, like it's questionable, man. Yeah, 100 percent. So as any of you rolled on, he didn't stop there going as far to call his then upcoming concert tour in Japan as the Jap Whack Tour. 
Yeah. Oh, he said, wow. I mean no disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No I say this with yeah. I say this with all due respect. Well, that's the thing. What is it saying? You can you can start any fucking comment with all due respect, yeah. and then you have the right to say whatever you want, right? That was yeah, Will yeah, that was, was, I said, yeah, I said all due respect. <laughs> yeah. hey, all due respect. Your wife's a whore. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, I mean no disrespect. I'm sure the Japanese are wonderful folks. And if that weren't enough, he decided to go ahead and drop the N-word a few times and criticize the greatest guitar player of all time. Sure. He said, if I'm with a bunch of guys, we may talk about babes in a certain way. I use the N-word a lot because I hang around with a lot of N-words, and they use the N-word, but he wasn't saying... No, hard R. He was going hard R. And I tend to use words that communicate. I don't mean to offend. I'm a fun guy. I'm not a sexist or a racist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They never. No, I would be, show me. Show me a racist that ever is like I'm totally racist. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing there that don't exist. With all due respect, I'm not a racist. Yeah. 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 Hard R N word. You yeah. know, whatever. Hey, they call them. Why can't I say that? That's what their argument always is. Every it's time. fucking crazy. And then there was his take on Jimi Hendrix. He said, "I knew I didn't hold a candle to Jimi Hendrix with a guitar, but he was also a total dipshit because he was always so high." I watched him die, and when they told me he was dead, I just said, "Yeah, so what? What did you fucking expect?" Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. At a concert on August 22nd, 2007, while wielding what appeared to be an assault-like rifle, Nugent said in reference to then-presidential candidate Barack Obama, suck on my machine gun. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. In the same gun-wielding rant, Nugent said of Diane Feinstein, ride one of these, you worthless whore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, he it's, was it's, playing it's, to the audience that day. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, that's so the thing here is uh, this is where the line is drawn on free speech. Well, that and like in our last show, we talked about Kanye West, the phases of Kanye. Yeah, yeah. We're mm-hmm. definitely in almost like phase three of Nugent. Yeah. yeah. One was the grow up. Two was like the rock and roll fame. And now is like the fucking. He's like, well, I got Well, that and also it's like, oh, well, I'm not relevant in music anymore. I can become relevant in something else, which is politics and how do i do that i'll just be the guy that stirs the pot but although he i think that's innate in him i don't think he i don't think he like planned this whole change just that they he just got an audience for it yeah and like i said with the freedom of speech thing is there's a difference between between being like you know what i don't like barack obama he sucks you shouldn't vote for him and like vaguely making threats to a presidential candidate oh yeah like and we talked about this earlier your uncle may not get that visit from the secret service but i bet honestly if your uncle went on to facebook and was like i'm gonna kill the president i think that you'll probably get that visit (laughs) that's right so at an nra meeting in st louis in 2012 nugent was doing his usual stick advocating guns for all and a democrat free government Mm. ted reached deep into a sack of hyperbole and pulled out an apparent solemn vow that he intended to inspire his fellow heat packers to get obama out of office via the voting booth preferably but by any means necessary. Oh, geez. A call to arms. He said, if Barack Obama becomes the next president in November again, I will either be dead or in jail by this time next year, Nugent said. This time, the violent connotations of a statement were enough to get the Secret Service interested in how seriously Ted takes this stuff. The Homeland Security Agency took time out of its busy schedule to meet with Nugent and gently remind him that while political criticism is protected speech, threatening the president with violence is highly illegal. Yep. There you go, man. So, shockingly, Nugent did not make good on his totally credible promise to stand up uh, arms and fight until the death or prison upon Obama's re-election. Which is crazy because, I I mean, he has the legendary status as a master soldier <laughs> and a warrior. I mean, he would definitely be a warlord if uh, society ever collapsed. But his dislike for Obama didn't stop there. In an interview with 
guns.com. <laughs> Nugent referred to Obama as a subhuman mongrel. Whoa, now, see, and I thought it would be entirely political. I didn't think, I mean, he said he was not a racist. Right. Yeah, right. With all, with all due respect. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're thinking that subhuman mongrel sounds like the kind of racist bullshit the KKK would have to say about Barack, you'd be wrong. Even the Klan realizes that people might find that sort of language off-putting, and you'd have to go back at least to the violent vigilante Klan of the 1960s to find the term subhuman mongrel used in public. Mm -hmm. Freedom of speech, man. Freedom of speech. Yeah. Yeah. And what had to be an extremely awkward moment for everyone in attendance on February 12, 2013, Nugent attended the State of the Union address given by President Obama. Awkward. He was the guest of U.S. Representative Steve Stockman of Texas's 36th Congressional District. Of course he was, because he's just like, watch this, dudes. Watch how fucking, how rowdy I get. I'm a total rebel. I'm going to invite the guy that fucking made a vague death threat to the president. <laughs> Nugentive. 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 <laughs> now on the run. Yeah. Ted Nugentive. Nugent's conservative views have prompted criticism from fellow musicians such as Paul McCartney, David Crosby, and the band Goldfinger, who have a song titled Fuck Ted Nugent on their album <laughs> Open Your Eyes. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You remember Goldfinger? I do. Yeah. I got that they had a couple like that one track, the bass track was was banging on that one. Yeah. But yeah, and uh yeah, fuck Ted Nugent. I'd, I'd like to not name the song that. In the next presidential election, Nugent was all in for Texan Ted Cruz. In February 2016, he stated, My dream would be if Ted Cruz became president tonight. I really admire Ted Cruz on many levels. Nugent later endorsed President Donald Trump and during the last week of the U.S. election campaign performed at a number of Trump rallies in Michigan, including Trump's final campaign rally in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Sarah Palin said that if a candidate is good enough for Ted Nugent, he is good enough for me. There you go. That's where you set the bar, Sarah. But right. hey, you know, what do we expect? She is a Rhodes Scholar. She is also a genius. Yes. Kid Rock, Sarah Palin, and Ted Nugent walk into a bar. They actually walked into the White House and had like That's a right. visit and a whole deal. That's oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Kid, Kid yeah. Rock uh, is basically uh, Ted Nugent 2.0. Yeah. A little bit. I like Kid Rock way more, though. Probably not personally. And if we did a show on him, it'd probably really stain my. I image mean, of him, but you know, yeah, it's I don't I don't care for him that much, but it's all good. His songs are pretty cool, but I like he, shitty music. You guys know that. <laughs> no, you like the music sometimes, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I don't know. He's but they're like their persona is fucking like yeah. He's like, come on with me, little brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say they had the same father. Yeah. So I'm sure we're gonna hear more from the Nuge in coming years with the current administration. So stay tuned. So that boys is Ted Nugent. Yeah. All right. Let's get some final scores. He'll, he'll still talk shit because Biden's a Democrat, but something tells me that he's not going to call him a mongrel for some reason. <laughs> I don't think subhuman yeah. mongrel. His, yeah. his PR team, I think, has helped him out with that one a little bit nowadays. Oh no, he's, that's 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 you get points for that if you're <laughs> in that in that party over there, right? If you're hanging out with those dudes, if you're uh, hanging out and getting with Steve Stockton, you get extra points for calling Obama a fucking mongrel. Let's be honest. All right, let's put a bow on this thing. Who wants to go first? Mikey? Okay, uh, so fuck Ted Nugent. I'm with the Goldfinger. <laughs> uh, it's tougher to come up with a score for him uh, because, like, okay, he hasn't killed anybody, although he tried to kill Derek St. Holmes. Yeah. Uh, we don't know for sure that he's uh, molested children, but it sure All sounds like it's possible. It. Yeah, I would be more surprised if he hadn't. And so I, you know what? I I'm gonna run him at the seven point five. Um, that's in a good range there of like 
asshole category for just you know he's he's obviously he's a dick uh, and he he's most likely a sexual predator. He wrote a song about it. <laughs> like here here it goes. Uh, so yeah, I would go seven point five on uh, Ted Nugent. Fuck Ted Nugent. All right, buddy, what you got? All right, yeah. So I mean, it, while I might not agree with all of his political views, you know, I, I definitely just I don't think that makes him an asshole per se. Um, it does sound like there was some child molesting going on, and even you know, I'm gonna be so cool about it. I'm gonna write a song about it, and even two songs about it on my next album. As anybody who's listened to our show knows, that I can't get behind any of that. Um, I originally had him at a 5.5, and um, yeah, I'm going to have to jump him up just a little bit. Um, outside of that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot that made me think that he was a really, really big asshole, but that is a huge red flag in my book. So um, final score for Ted Nugent, I'm going to give him a 6.75. 6.75, all right. So uh, I knew about a good amount of the stuff where I started the research mm-hmm. on the show, but I didn't know the depth that he went to, um, I guess, criticizing and being a, a fucking racist. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he's like, a fucking racist. He's a fucking racist, right? Like, I mean, again, you can say all day, I'm not a racist, mm-hmm. but racists don't usually, you know, a person that's not racist yeah. doesn't have to say that. Right. With all due I mean, respect, yeah, with, yeah. I'm not right. a racist. Yeah, like I said, he, he would never call Joe Biden a mongrel. Right. Actions mm-hmm. are louder than words, mm-hmm. and if you, or shit, in his case, words are his actions. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously that, you know, not, not a good sticking point for me, his whole deal on like hunting and animal rights or lack thereof. And the second amendment, I got no issue with that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, it's cool. If you want to have a gun, have a gun. If you want to shoot deer, hunt deer, I don't give a shit. Yeah, the, If you're responsible. Yeah, yeah. The illegal hunting, not that cool. But you know, again, that's, it's on my book. It's not like a major issue. So the kid, <laughs> so you heard it here first. Randy's okay with poaching. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot all the elephants you want. It's just not that big of a deal. <laughs> no, whatever. But underage girls, racism, not fucking cool. I'm jumping him. I went 5.5. Mm-hmm. I'm giving him a point and a half swing. I'm going to end him at a 7.0. Okay. Yeah. All right. With a 7.5 from Mikey, a 6.75 from Buddy, and a 7.0 from Randy, Ted Nugent's final asshole score is a 7.1. 7.1. He is just above more of an asshole than Facebook and Jerry Falwell <laughs> Jr. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I saw, I'm tagging him in there with the Jerry Falwell shit. That's yeah. a good camp for him to be yeah. in. Right around that area. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As always, check out all of our social media pages. Lots of interactive stuff going on there. Go check out our new website, ahcpodcast.com. It's got links to all of our old shows. Listen, comment, um, interact with us. Our social media manager, she is awesome, and uh, she'll probably get back to you within minutes. She's really good at what she does. Thank you. Absolutely. And keep hitting us up with show ideas. We'd love to hear from all you guys. Leave us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews. And as always, be good to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.